want to look this morning on the thought of developing a servant's heart. And, you know, God has called us to be servants. Jesus said, if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, then take the low place, be willing to serve, be willing to serve. And, you know, the ways of the kingdom of God, they're diametrically opposed to the ways of the world. They're opposite to the ways of the world. You know, many leaders, government leaders, leaders in the world, seek to dominate, seek to control people's lives. And they love to exercise that authority. And they seem to, you know, they want to get higher in the ladder, and the way they do it is push others down. Uh, but Jesus, you know, he spoke the very opposite. And so often, you know, the ways of the world are opposite. They're, 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 they're opposed, they're diametrically opposed to, to the ways of God, to the ways of the kingdom of heaven, to the ways of the kingdom of God. The world says, you know, don't give. Keep everything you've got. You might need it. But Jesus says, he says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be come back to you. world says this. Jesus says the opposite. And we want to look now at the, the example that Jesus gave, wonderful example, when just maybe less than 24 hours before he went to the cross, then he... The, the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory, the mighty one, the creator of the universe, he was willing to stoop down and wash the feet of his disciples. I mean, how humbling, but that's what, that's what Jesus did. And again, you know, no, no great leader would do things like that, opposite to the way of the world. And if we turn to that passage in John, or look at that passage in John 13. John is a wonderful gospel, and these last chapters from about chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, all take place within about 24 hours, just, you know, the day before and the, the crucifixion um, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's so much truth that Jesus gives there. In fact, some of the most precious truths, you know, a, a great leader will give, you know, to his followers just before he passes or just before he dies. And Jesus knew. He knew that he was going to suffer greatly, not only physical pain, but he knew that he'd be even separated from his heavenly father. He knew there was great sufferings. There was great Agony. There were trials before him, and he knew he he knew he had to go to the cross and to die on the cross and go through incredible sufferings. But he doesn't talk about that. He talks about he talks about love. He talks about joy. He talks about peace, and he gives the example of you know taking that lowly place of a servant. In verse one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, you know, up 
in John's gospel, we see Jesus often said, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. He had to fulfill a certain course. He had to hit a certain mark. And, but here it says, Jesus knew his hour had come. It was time for him to die on that cross. And so his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them right to the end. And it was the end of the supper. They'd had the supper. It was the, the last meal together, known as the Last Supper, which Jesus, you know, commanded us to remember and to celebrate, which we do each month. And supper was ended, and the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He was come from God. He went to God. And just prior to this, just prior to this, this time in John 13, the disciples were disputing amongst themselves, you know, which of them were going to be the greatest? And, you know, they've been with Jesus three, three years, maybe up to three and a half years. And, you know, in spite of all that, I mean, Jesus must, I mean, Jesus had loved them. Jesus had taught them. Jesus had been with them. They'd been with the greatest teacher in all the, all the world. And yet, after all that time, here they are, you know, arguing, disputing with each other, talking about, you know, who's going to be the greatest. And, but in spite of all that, you know, Jesus, he continued to, to love them, to minister to them. And after they'd eaten their supper, then in verse 4, Jesus rises from the supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. He poured water into a basin he washed the disciples' feet. So we see five things there, five things. Jesus rose from the supper. He rose from the supper. Verse 2, supper being ended. Uh, verse 4, he, he rises from supper. He, he rose from serving himself. I mean, he'd been eating his dinner. And uh, obviously it's not selfish to eat your dinner, but... He was rising to show the love of God by serving them, by serving them. And then, verse 4, he laid aside his garments. He took off his garments. He, he put them aside. And those garments represented his position. Those garments represented his authority. And so he laid them aside. And the Lord took the place of the lowest servant and washed the disciples' feet. And that was an act of extreme humility. It was the duty of the, the lowest servant in the Middle East to wash, you know, the feet of others. And, you know, in India, in certain parts of India, there'd be, I mean, they had servants, or many servants, but there'd be grades, there'd be levels of servants. 
and sometimes even in a hotel room. We, we'd, you know, one person would come in and would sweep the floor, but, but then somebody else, you know, a lower servant had to come and come into the room and, and, you know, clean the toilet and everything, clean the thing. So there was sort of grades of servants. And, you know, wash, washing the disciple, washing the feet, that was, that was in the time of Jesus, that was a very lowly, very lowly, uh, you know, servant would come to do that job. But Jesus did that with his disciples. And he came and he put aside his authority he 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 was like a like a low not just like a servant but by the like the lowest servant and to wash the feet of his disciples and you know Jesus Jesus did that and he did that it was like an object lesson for the disciples so that he Jesus wanted them to remember that he wanted to remember that. and I'm sure they They'd never for, forget that all their lives. I mean, he didn't just tell them, you know, to, you know, have a servant's heart. No, Jesus demonstrated it. And, and they would never have forgotten, you know, the, the example of Jesus. And he's called us also. Remember, Jesus is our pattern. He's our model. He's our, he's our example. And we're also called. We're called to be humble we're called to serve. We're called to serve others, serve others. So first he rose up from the supper. Then he laid aside his garments. Thirdly, it says in verse 4, he took a towel and he, he girded himself. He get, took a towel, he girded himself. And so he had the, the, even the dress, the, the, the clothes, of a, of, a, of a typical servant, of a lowly servant. And we need to come down. In other words, he was, he was coming down to the, to the level of the people to serve them. And so we need to be humble. We need to come down. We need to serve people. We need to serve, you know, insignificant. Well, nobody's insignificant to God, but what the world would can't what the world would call insignificant people. And so Jesus, you know, he was just like a lowly servant. And then in verse 5, he, he got some water. He poured the water into a basin. He poured the water into a basin. And, you know, the water is something, you know, and, and then he began to wash their feet. And... I, I, something I will never forget. Many years ago, we were in India. Our kids were small, and it was a hot day. And we were in the village up in Arissa. It's now called Odisha, and it was a very primitive village. And we're going to another village, and they they lent us some some bicycles, and I I was driving one, and 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 uh, Marilyn was driving the other. I think I had one. I had one of the kids with me, and Marilyn had had the other with her, and we were riding on this bicycle. And, and anyway, we get to this we get to this village, and then there was a there was an old old lady, old old lady, and she'd been to the well, and she pulled up the water, and she came to us, 
and then she got that water from the from the well, and then she began to to you know wash wash our feet, wash our feet. And I can remember I was fighting to hold back the tears, and you know it was just just so touching. And she came, she came, you know, to serve, to serve. And and I remember you know it was hot day, and our feet were. We had sandals on. Our feet were hot and dusty, and and it was just it was it was just so you know cold water which has come up from the, the well. It was just so so nice and and so refreshing. And Jesus he he poured the water into a basin, and and then he he washed the, the his disciples' feet, and Jesus wiped them with the towel that he was girded with. He took off that towel, and with that towel you know he. He, he wiped their feet dry. You know, he had a tender touch. He didn't go get the high-pressure hose and hose them down. No, it was just, you know, a gentle, gentle touch. It was very humbling. You know, it was very humbling to have your friend and, you know, especially the Lord and Master for those disciples to wash their feet. And, you know, Peter he just could not bring himself to let Jesus wash his feet, and you know, and uh, he would not. He said, "Lord, you're not going to wash my feet." And Jesus replied, "If you if you if you did not allow me to wash his feet, then he would have no part with him." And so Peter goes, you know, to the other extreme, and Lord, wash me everything, wash my hands, wash my head, wash everything. But unless we allow the Lord to wash us spiritually. You know, Peter was hesitant at first, but then, you know, he wanted everything washed. Um, But we must allow the Lord to wash us spiritually, and unless we do that, we have no part in him. And obviously there's not not just a once-all washing at, at salvation. No, we're washed spiritually, and we need to continue to be washed spiritually. And we're washed spiritually by the washing of the water of the word of God, Ephesians 5, 26. And so there's a, there's a washing that needs to take place, you know, in our life. You know, it should be, you know, a, a daily washing, a daily cleansing, a daily purifying. And that's why it's so vital we spend time you know, each day reading God's word. We spend time, you know, each day, you know, listening to his voice, listening to his voice. And, you know, Peter, you know, he goes from one extreme to the other. And in verse 9 is where he said, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You know, Peter was you know, during that three years with Jesus, he was he was very unstable. And often, you know, he went from one extreme to the other. But nevertheless, you know, he had a he had a heart for the Lord. He had a heart for the Lord. And, you know, he was bit by bit. You know, he was worked on and he began to change. The Lord was working in his life. And even though he denied Jesus, you know, there was a repentant heart. And there was a heart for God. He was forgiven. He repented. He was forgiven. And we know he was changed. And he was that mighty evangelist on the day of Pentecost, preaching one of the most powerful messages that have ever been preached, with 3,000 people coming to the Lord. 
I mean, and, you know, in his later life, you know, Peter, he was the rock. He was sure. He was stable. He was steady. He was unmovable. And, you know, he was powerfully changed, you know, by the Lord. In verse 13, it says, and Jesus is talking to them right after he's washed their feet. And he says, you, you call me master, you call me Lord. And you, what you say, that is good. That you say that well. You, what you say is right. I, I am. But then Jesus says in verse 14, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. And, you know, Jesus made it clear, you know, he was their, he was their model. He was their pattern. Jesus was showing them how to treat one another. And all of us, all of us, and this sermon is to me as much as, it's to, as, as it is to you, we're all called, we're all called to be servants. And that through humility of mind, and the, the thought of, you know, humility of mind, you know, is so needed if we're going to be true, if we're going to be able to, to serve one another. And Jesus said, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. You should do as I have done to you. In other words, in the same way that I have washed your feet, you should wash others' feet. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean literally, although sometimes, certain times, the Lord may lead, lead us to do that. But generally speaking, it's, it's talking about, you know, a hard attitude, having an attitude of humility, and, 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 and serving others, you know, in, in practical ways. And Jesus said, he made it very clear. He made it very clear in Mark. He made it very clear in many, many other scriptures. He said, if any man desire to be first, if we desire, you know, a, a top position in the kingdom of heaven, you know, Jesus said, take the lowest place. In other words, he's saying the way up is the way down. As we go down, Jesus will lift us up. If any man desire to be first, Jesus said the same shall be last of all. That's in Mark 9 and verse 35. And it was after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, it was after that that the new commandment was given. The new commandment was given. And so in the same chapter, if we go down to verse 34, we find the new commandment of Jesus. And, you know, the Ten Commandments, we can be, they can be summed up in two. Love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And the second, love our neighbor as ourself. So the Ten Commandments can be summed up in those two commandments. But then Jesus, he gave a new commandment. And verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you love, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. 
if you have love one to another. So in the new commandment, we're called to love one another as Christ loved us. It says, love one another as I have, past tense, loved you, that you also love one another. Now, if we were asked the question, you know, how, how, how does Christ, how did Christ love us? How did Christ love us? I think most of us would, rep- would reply, he loved us by dying for us on the cross. Now, that is true. He did love us, and he died on the cross for us. That is very true. But when Jesus gave the new commandment, when Jesus spoke those, spoke those words, it was immediately before he had not yet suffered upon the cross. And he says in the past tense, he says the new commandment is to love one another as I have, past tense, loved you, as I have loved you. So he spoke those words immediately after he had washed their feet. In other words, Jesus is saying we should show our love, we should show our love, we should demonstrate our love one to another by serving one another. Jesus had just served them in the sense that he he humbled himself, he'd washed their 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 dirty feet. And so love, love is the proof that we are his disciples, but also serving one another as he demonstrated, is a proof we are Christ's disciples. We are Christ's disciples. And it's amazing. We see in in Philippians, we see, you know, Jesus came from the highest heaven. He came from being with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And they were in such harmony. They were in such unity. They were in such oneness. And you know, they, they, they were, there was the throne of God in, in heaven. They were, they were covered and clothed, as it were, with the glory of God. And, and, of course, Jesus was, I mean, together with the Holy Spirit and the Father. He was the one who created the universe in which we're living. You know, the, the mighty God and the magnitude of the, the, magnitude of the universe. I mean, it, it, it's just about incomprehensible. On uh, Friday night, we were next door at Pastor Neal's. He had his telescope out, and you know we looked at through the telescope at, at, at Jupiter, and then in Saturn, and you could even see the rings of, of Saturn, which were, were there, and it was magnified about eighty times. And you know, I mean, just looking up at the night sky and. You know, many of those stars, you know, millions and millions and millions of, of, of miles away. And, 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 you know, he was the creator. Jesus was the creator. You know, even w- when we think of the universe, I mean, even this whole earth is just like a, it's just like a little tiny piece of sand in comparison to the, the vastness, the overwhelming vastness. I mean, the universe just seems to go on and on and on and on. And yet, the creator of this universe in which we're living in, you know, he, he came to earth. He was willing to leave all the glory, all the, all the benefits, all the blessings, all the, 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 
incredible things in heaven to come down to this little planet, to earth, and to take on the take on the the, the body, a, a body, a physical body, take on humanity, and then to go down further and further until he was willing to take the form of a servant, the form of a servant, of a lowly servant, from the highest glory, you know, right down, and to allow himself to be crucified. Because that, of course, was the only way that we could have salvation and be saved. He took upon, in Philippians chapter 2, and the passage about this, where Jesus descends, descends, descends. And then, of course, he ascends, and he'll be exalted to the, to the highest heaven. But in Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5, Philippians 2, and in verse 5 it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant. There it was, the form of a servant. And it's so incredible that the Son of God, you know, was willing to leave the glories of heaven and willing to take on a human body. And, and he made himself, in other words, he, he voluntarily, he made himself of no reputation. You know, most leaders today, they want to they make themselves a reputation. They want to be looked to. They want to exercise their authority, their power. But Jesus was the opposite. He made himself of no reputation. He did not seek a reputation. He did not seek the praises of men. He just had one burning desire, and that was to please his Father, to do the will of the Father. And it is amazing even to think that Christ could, could take on you know, the nature of a servant. But that's what it says. That's what it says in Philippians. He took upon himself the form of a servant, the form of a servant. And the word for servant you know, there's different kinds of servants, but there was a hired servant, but one lower than that was a was a bond servant. They belonged to their owner. And and that is the word that is mentioned here. That he, he 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 took upon himself the form of a servant, a bond servant. And this is the lowest servant, a bond servant. And Jesus came. He came as the servant of all. And so in Mark 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, not to serve, not to be served, but he came to serve, to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Shed his blood to give his life so that we can be saved. So Jesus, he's our pattern. He's our role model. He's our example. Christ could wash the disciples' feet as he laid down his right at this time to be Lord of all, even though he is the Lord of all. And when he comes again, he will come as Lord of lords. He'll come as King of kings. He'll come as the mighty one. He'll come as the judge. But here, he washed their feet. 
He laid down his right at this time to be Lord of all, so he could be servant of all. And Christ the servant became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And at that time, in the New Testament times, you know, the, the lowest way, only the most despicable sinners and the worst sinners would, would die, die, would buy the death of the, the crucifixion. It was the lowest form of death known to the world in the time of Jesus. The cross was such a shameful death that even a Roman citizen, even if he committed murder, he could not be nailed to the cross. The cross was reserved just for the, the worst, the most despicable sinners. You know, what a testimony, what an incredible example. And, you know, we need to cry out to the Lord, look to the Lord, that, that the Lord would help us more and more, you know, be, to become, you know, true servants one of another. When Jesus, in the Gospels, we see in Mark's Gospel, but also in Matthew and, and, and really in all of the Gospels, we see that the concept in the mindset of the Jews at that time was, was totally, totally at variance, totally the opposite of you know, the mindset of the Lord Jesus. And you know, Jesus is trying to get through to his disciples. He's trying to you know, convey truth to them. And you know, we know the disciples, they're waiting for their Messiah. They're looking for this, their the, the Messiah to come. And remember at the time of Jesus, the, the Jewish people, they were, they were under the Romans. The Romans were the world power. The Romans had sub, subjugated you know, Palestine, Israel. And so they were, they, they were slaves. They were servants of the Romans. The Romans were the, 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 the power. They were the leaders. They were the world power at this time. And they, they had a huge empire, a great empire, the Roman Empire in the first century. And so the Jews, you know, they wanted, they wanted to be liberated from the Romans. They wanted to be free from the Romans. They wanted to be free from the control and the domination of the Romans. And so they were looking for their Messiah, you know, a, a military leader, one who would come and, 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 and set them free and rescue them. That was the Messiah that they were looking for. That was the Messiah they were looking for. And at least three times in Mark's gospel, Jesus tries to prepare his disciples to the fact that he would suffer, that he would be persecuted, and then he would end up killed, and then he would rise again. He would rise again. And the disciples didn't like that message, or they kicked at that message, because that was the opposite of what they thought they joined up with Jesus for, and the opposite of, of you know, the, 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 the thought of Messiah in, in the Jewish mindset. And in Mark's Gospel in chapter 8, Mark's Gospel in chapter 8, we see an occasion where Jesus is telling them, he, he foresees about the coming 
coming death on the cross. And in Mark 8, verse 31, Jesus foretells his death, and he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and be killed, and after three days rise again. And, you know, Peter. when Peter heard that, that was they were not looking for that. They were looking for a liberator. They were thinking that, you know, that Jesus would appoint them as they'd be generals in the army, they'd be military leaders, and they would throw off the, the, the yoke of the Romans. And so Peter actually rebuked Jesus, and he said he took Jesus aside, and he began to rebuke him. And so, so then, you know, he rebuked Peter. And, and Jesus said to Peter, and it was strong words, get behind me, Satan, for you, you savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. So Peter was rebuked. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him take up his cross. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now the second time, and that's in Mark chapter 8, and then Jesus repeats the same thing, it had not got through to them, in Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, in verse 31, Jesus had to repeat the same thing to them. And he says, for he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. And it says, verse 32, They understood not that saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And the context of those words, when Jesus spoke those words, we see in verse 33, and they were, the disciples were disputing amongst themselves by the way. And what were they disputing about? What were they arguing about? They were, they were disputing amongst themselves. Who was going to be the greatest amongst them? Who was going to be the greatest among them? And yet Jesus' message was, if you want to be great, be a servant. And so Jesus sat down and he called the twelve. And he said to them, verse 35, he said, if a man desire to be first, you desire to be high in the kingdom of God, he said, the same shall be last of all and servant of all, servant of all, of all. Of all. And he took a little child in his arms to illustrate that fact. And then again, a third time in Mark chapter 10, 35, it says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to him. Master, we would that thou should do for us whatsoever we will desire, whatsoever we will desire. And then their desire was to be on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus. And he asked them if they could drink of the, of the cup, be baptized with the baptism that he was baptized with. And... And, you know, and when the ten heard of it, they were displeased. They were angry with James and John. And the reason is that, that they also, they wanted the top positions. And, uh, you know, they did not understand when Jesus was talking about suffering. He was talking about death. He was talking about being a servant. It was totally opposite to their mentality. And 
You know, in their thinking, the Messiah would be a military leader, victory over the army, over the Romans, liberated, liberated from the Romans. And the thinking of the Jews, you know, was justified by many Old Testament prophets who spoke of Messiah as coming and delivering the defenders of Zion. And that will happen at the time of the second coming. So, but, but for the disciples, saying that the Son of Man, who the, who the disciples, they believed he was the Messiah, must suffer and be raised again, was totally against their thinking. And even today, most Jews do not accept Jesus because they do not believe the Messiah could have died. They don't understand Isaiah 53. But in Mark 9.35, the Lord shows them what true greatness is and the qualifications of being a servant of all. And Jesus said, in order to be the greatest, we must become the servant of all. And, you know, sadly today, many Christians today, they, you know, the reason they serve the Lord is what they think they can get for, get for themselves. And it's a focus on me, me. I, 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 me, me, me. But Jesus is trying to redirect that focus, not on yourself, but on others and serving others, helping others, ministering to others, being a servant. And, you know, the Jews certainly did not expect that the, the, that the Messiah would win by suffering and dying. And probably all of those 12 expected to be military leaders, expecting to be rallied to war. And Jesus was trying to show them their expectations were wrong. The enemy was not the Romans. The enemy was Satan and the powers of darkness and sin, not Rome. And they were to fight sin and learn to be servants so that they could be great in the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you, all of us, all of us, that we, we ask God to help us, to help us to be servants, servants of others. And, you know, there's many practical ways we can serve others. I mean, just an act of kindness, maybe somebody's sick, and a meal, a thoughtfulness, a card, pray, a prayer, I mean, you know, so many different ways, just a kind act, a kind word, uh, helping someone, and uh, maybe a financial gift. Many, many different ways where we can serve one another. And I think it's good if we can all just cry out to God, you know, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Lord, by your grace, help me not just to be me-focused all the time, but to be focused on others and to be willing by God's grace to follow the example of Jesus. He was the, he took the lowest place. He was a servant. And of course, he became the Lord of glory and, you know, the, 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 the mighty God. He was exalted to the highest place. And so basically the way up, is down, and God wants us to humble ourselves and to serve. And as we serve one another, indeed, we're serving the Lord 
with all our hearts. And so let's just, pr- let's just pray in closing that God would just cry out to God, that God would, and it's a process, it's a, it's a thing that will go on all our life, but that we would, be, we would be those who will minister to others, who will serve others. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the incredible example of your Son, the Lord of glory, not only leaving heaven and coming to earth, but taking the place of the lowest servant and washing the disciples' feet. And Lord, we pray. Lord, we cry to you. Lord, give us grace. Help us, Holy Spirit, that we in turn would be servants, that we would be servants. We would love to serve one another. Oh, God, Lord, just... Lord, apply this, not just to our heads, not just to our minds, Lord, but in our lifestyle. Lord, help us, cause us to be servants of the Lord. And Lord, help us. Lord, you said if we want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we want to, we want to be close to you in heaven. We don't want to be far away from you in heaven. And Lord, we just thank you. You've given us the key how we can be close to you and have a high place in heaven for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. Lord, as we're willing to serve your body, to serve one another for your glory, Lord, see all these thoughts to each of our hearts And apply them, Lord. Show us ways that we can apply them in our own lives. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The musicians come.